Welcome to Holy Cow, a Cubs podcast. I'm your host, Sean Holland. Uh, this week, our guest is Tommy Myers. Uh, you know him as Full Count Tommy on Twitter, if you're on Twitter. Um, talk about a little bit about the Cubs and just the free agent market in general. Uh, we also talk a little bit about his other uh, big passion, with it, which is uh, University of Illinois Athletics, the Illini. So I asked him a little bit about uh, the basketball team this year, which is not great, but getting better. But anyway, it was a good uh, baseball discussion, and here's Tommy. All right, uh, Tommy, welcome to Holy Cow, a Cubs podcast. Glad to have you on. Hey, Sean, how's it going? Pretty good. Um, so I guess we'll just get into this. Uh, there's still not that much Cubs news, but there was a fair amount of baseball news uh, this week. Uh Big debate about the DH. Will it come to the National League? Um, some other rule changes, you know, lowering the mound, moving the mound back. I just would thought I'd ask you, what are your thoughts on all these proposed uh, rule changes? Yeah, I'm actually a big fan of most of them. I, lo- I love the DH in the NL. Um, I can't stand, I'm a pitcher, but I still can't stand watching pitchers hit. Um, so there's that. I also don't understand why the AL and NL have different rules. It's a big thing that I think the NL has been at a pretty big disadvantage in free agency because of it. You see a lot of teams are in the AL are able to give guys contracts that guys in the NL really aren't. Even if you look at J.D. Martinez last year, it's pretty hard to give that guy a contract in the NL, but the Red Sox are able to pay him because they can put him at DH and he ends up being one of the best hitters in baseball. So it's kind of a disadvantage there. Yeah, so I, I like the three better. Um, I wish it were two instead of three. Mostly just because I think it's a good way to pace. Um, we don't need pitching change on every hitter. And I think it's actually, people are mad about it because they think it gets rid of strategy. I think it kind of increases strategy. As, a, as a, a manager, it's pretty easy to put in a lefty against a lefty and a righty against a righty. But if you have to plan a cut batters in advance, I think it actually adds a little bit of extra strategy there to it. Yeah, I guess you could kind of call it the uh, La Russa rule if you wanted to. Yeah, a little bit. Um, yeah, so, but I, I agree with you on the DH. I mean, now, obviously, it's been the news today was it's not going to happen immediately. It sounds like something that will be, you know, the next labor um, negotiation will feature this DH rule and possibly adding an extra roster spot to uh, – every team in the league so but yeah I, I'm with you I think it's probably going to happen and every other league at every other level has a DH the National League is the only outlier so it's got to change soon right yeah it, 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 it's kind of one of those weird anomalies where the baseball is the only one that has different rules um, so I guess we'll move on to the Cubs and maybe not even just the Cubs but we'll do free agency in general because you know, I, I've said this on a few other podcasts, but it's really starting to feel like there's like some some kind of collusion, some kind of agreement between the teams to keep salaries down. I mean, it just seems like last year it seemed like it a little bit. This year it's going into high gear. 
Yeah, I think it'll be it'll be hard to ever prove you know capital C collusion where the teams are together and actually you know agreeing to to lower contracts and lower years. But I, I think there's definitely a trend among baseball. And you know, part of the thing that worries me is I think teams are they know owners know they're in a good spot with the new CBA, and I think they're kind of trying to pile in as much revenue as they can in the next couple of years before they know the CBA will eventually change. Yeah, it's like this thing with the arbitration years and stuff. You know, that's keeping the young players' salaries low and stuff is going to change. I mean, the players' union is going to have to do something because if these teams aren't going to sign older free agents to big contracts anymore those younger players are going to need to get money sooner so yeah i think you're right this is their they know this is the last chance before yeah part, part of me wonders if they if they just go to an nba style free agency um where it's it's you know maybe two years of of pre-arb two years of arbitration restricted free agency and then you know, maybe they, they do like the NBA does where it's a limit on contract length, but the money will be huge and it'll be shorter contracts. So we'll start seeing max deals for like a Bryce Harper or Manny Machado type of thing. Right. Yeah. And it's something where, you know, maybe they're treating the luxury tax as a cap anyway, so maybe it's something where in order to get that, the players are going to they do a cap and a floor. And just kind of go and treat it like the NBA does. Yeah. And it's clear that what they're going to, with this DH thing and the extra roster spots, another, you know, thing they can give the union to kind of ease the way into a, some kind of deal in the future. All right, so let's go to the Cubs. They've been doing this volume bullpen where they've been adding these bullpen pieces, but, I mean, they're probably not going to do anything. I mean, we're pretty sure on that now, right? Anything big? Yeah, I mean, Craig Kimbrell's probably out of the question. Even if it's a one-year deal, I can't see them adding the, like, $20 million that it would take to get them on a one-year deal. I think, you, you know, you might see a couple more guys on Miley deals. You might see, I'm a huge fan of Tony Sip. You might see him on, like, a one-year, $2 million deal, something like that. But it seems there, you know, there aren't even really other than Kimbrough any big names left on the reliever market. So if they add more guys, it's going to be either big deals or you know a couple million bucks. Yeah, and um, you can kind of help the people out there. There's no way there's a Bryce Harper, or Manny Machado. That's not going to happen, right? For the Cubs. Yeah, I mean, I wish, but uh, no, I, I doubt it. Um, Everything they've told us has been that they're not going to be on that kind of guy. It would be like one of the biggest misdirections in front office history if they ended up signing one of them. I think they'll, you know, I think Theo wants. So I think it's going to be a thing where he'll be in contact with Scott Boris until the end. But I think it's it's mutually beneficial for both of them. But I just don't think it's something that's going to end up happening, unfortunately, which is a whole other topic on Tom Ricketts. Yeah. Um, so where where do you think they are going to sign? Do you have a prediction? Um, I mean, the easy money is Machado to the White Sox and Harper to the Phillies at this point. I still, I still think there's a mystery team in there. Um, 
you know, the Astros said they're not going to sign Harper, but he's a really good fit there. Um, the Braves are actually a really great fit for Harper. Um, he's kind of the one thing they're missing at this point. But, I mean, if, I, if you had to have me guess, it would be Harper to the Phillies and Machado to the White Sox. Yeah, I've been thinking um, Harper to the Phillies since, like, before the offseason began. That felt like a move they would make. And, you know, Machado... White Sox probably, although my one dark horse is I wouldn't be stunned if the Padres signed one of them. I don't know which one, but no, I wouldn't Padres, be surprised. Yeah. The Padres make a ton of sense. Um, you know, they kind of, they signed Eric Hosmer last year. You can kind of, I don't know, you can kind of liken him to almost their Jason Worth, where it's, they, they signed this guy a little early to a big contract. Maybe he doesn't end up working out, but kind of that start of their competitive cycle after a rebuild. Um, so yeah, I, I think they make a ton of sense. Their payroll is pretty low at this point. So that's, if you're going to bet on a dark horse, that's, that's a good bet. All right, so now we'll move over to um, something that you're passionate about that I also am passionate about, and that's uh, people being down on Wilson Contreras because I think Wilson Contreras is very good. He got overused, like, a ton last season, and I'm hoping that this is going to be a big bounce-back year for him, but I'm sure you agree with me on that, at least based on what I've read from your Twitter feed. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you there. My one worry, again, I'm just about a little bit today, but, you know, my one worry is that Joe Maddox doesn't ease up on him, and you kind of get the same thing you saw last year. It's interesting, you know, the big reason that his numbers, at least defensively, were down last year with the frame, it was the framing numbers. And it's something where he's been okay in the past. But part of me wonders if, if also that is tied to him just being overused and potentially even tied to him struggling with the bat. Because, I know, he, his first year up, he was a positive framer. I think he was five runs or so above average framing-wise. Second year, he was, a, he was a little lower, but last year, I think he was like 18 or 19 runs below average, which equates to, yeah, it's about two wins. If you're Usually, like, the general rule of thumb is 10 runs is a win. So, you're talking he lost, um, he lost two full wins just off his framing ability, so I think it's possible that he's going to be that bad again. Yeah, and, you know, the thing that worries me, too, is that they still haven't gotten... I know Caratini, he's okay, but he's not, like, a, what you, the guy you'd want for a backup. And they still haven't signed anyone else. And it's, like, it's not that hard to sign a backup catcher. And I'm just, I'm just a little worried about that. Yeah, and, I, you know, I liked Rene Rivera. You saw, he signed a, major, a minor league deal with the, uh, the Giants today. I still think Martin Maldonado makes a ton of sense. You know, he might, now that Real Muto's gone, he might look to get a starter job somewhere. But I, you know, I looked and there's really not much out there. Um, the Indians are one of the teams that make some sense, but they don't appear to be wanting to spend any money at all. Um, and, you know, maybe he takes a job with some, like the Marlins, where he can get a starter's job for a bad team. But I think you can get a guy like Bernardo and you can give him you know 60 starts maybe 70 starts behind the plate unless you really rest Wilson um, 
give Wilson the remaining starts behind the plate and then put him in left field for, you know, 20, 30 starts. Um, kind of keep him fresh. Rush Schwarber a little bit against lefties, have Contreras hit against lefties. I think it's, it's a good way to get a guy who might be able to get a starting gig elsewhere, but he gives you a quality backup if you sign him for a winning team. Yeah, and for those people that don't dig into the numbers and stuff, Contreras caught over a thousand innings last year. It was crazy. That's way too much for a catcher to catch. It's way too much. Yeah, he caught well, way more than anybody else in the league last year. It was it was rough to see. And Caratini, you know, if, if if he's the guy, I think Joe has to commit to, to giving him more starts. Um, I think he has to catch, you know, 50, he has to start 50 games or so instead of the probably, you know, 30 to 35 that Joe would, would be my guess would start him. So if Joe has a little more confidence in Vic, you know, he can hit a little bit. He, uh, he actually caught Cole Hamels quite a bit last year, and Cole Hamels had a lot of success, success with him. So maybe it's something where you pair Caratini and Hamels, hope they work well together, and, you know, see what happens from there. Maybe you, you know, you, it, backup catcher is a pretty easy spot to upgrade midseason. So it's something where if Vic isn't working out, you can go and get someone. Yeah, and he, he did catch a little bit with um, Kyle Hendricks, too. And that could be another guy that they could pair him up with. Yeah, he, do, he does seem to be a little better in the, the receiving department than Wilson. So maybe it's an area with uh, some of the more command guys that'll work out. Yeah. Um, so I guess we teased it a little bit earlier in the thing, but in our podcast, but the Ricketts, like their PR year, I guess we'll call it, keeps going downhill. I mean, now there's this stuff with the, you know, Joe Ricketts, the the patriarch of the family, who they say doesn't have anything to do with the operation of the team, which, I mean, say about that what you will, but what do you think of this continued PR nightmare for the Ricketts this year? Yeah, I mean, I think it's something they uh, they kind of put themselves in that situation, so, you know, it's hard to feel bad for them. Um, the Joe Ricketts stuff, yeah, he's, he doesn't technically have anything to do with the day to day, he's you know I wouldn't you know, I wouldn't technically call him an owner, but he he fronted the money for the team. So if he does something, if he says something, it's going to come down to the team, regardless of how far you want to distance yourself from it. And then there's some Russell stuff. I think I mean most fans, at least on Twitter, I think are in a position where they want him gone. But I get giving him a second chance, but it's just not something where where most fans are ever going to trust him again. So it's, I mean, they brought that one on themselves. Yeah. And it's just, the whole thing is just like, I mean, I guess you could, you could make an argument for a second chance, but it's like, it's just, it's going to be hard. And like, if anything goes wrong or anything, you know, you know, it's going to look very, very bad. And I mean, let's be, let's be honest. I don't think you're, I think you're in agreement with me on this. We don't like Addison Russell. We don't want him on the team. I mean, I guess you could make an argument for a second uh, chance, yeah. but it's going to be. And then he hasn't even talked to the press yet, and it's like that might be a disaster in itself. And it's just, it, I don't feel good about the whole situation. Yeah, I think that that's something that's going to come down in the spring. Um, 
I think you have to have it's not just it's good enough to have a media session. I think you have to have a full on press conference with him where where media can just go ahead and ask whatever they want to. And you know, there's there's guys in the Chicago media that you know, Gordon Whitmire, Sahadev, I know, Pat Moody, those guys ask him the questions that need to be asked. Um, but it's gonna be one of those things where he's he's on the tightest leash possible and he, if he does anything wrong, he's gone, and then it's just it's just a bad luck there for the Cubs too. So it's, it's kind of a no-win situation. If he were, you know, half the potential that he does, he would already be gone. It's just it's just a rough spot to put yourself in. And you know, I'm not sure baseball teams are are the ones that should be bringing players through the rehabilitation process. Um, I do. I believe Theo when he says that he really wants to help Addison. He wants to help Lisa, um, but it's just I, I don't think it's something that falls on a baseball team to do. And I think it's kind of awkward that they've taken that stance. Yeah, I agree. It's just like, I mean, when you're, it's a business that's in. You know, they're trying to win and make money, and it's just like, are they the best to be overseeing like a, a issue like domestic violence and stuff? It just doesn't feel like. You don't think they're going to handle it well. Maybe they will, but you're just yeah, worried about it. You know, I trust Theo to be a guy who, you know, researches things, reaches out to the right people, but, you know, it's, it's more difficult than that. You know, that's not his job. Even if he talks to experts, it's still a, a weird situation to put yourself in, even if you're trying to help. Yeah. So I'll ask one more about the Cubs. Just in general, a lot of people are down on them. I mean, they had the Picada projections, which, of course, you always take those with a grain of salt. Had the Cubs at 82 wins this year, finishing in third in their division. But, I mean, they're going to be better than that. I mean, people are so down on them right now, but I think the Cubs are still a good team. Yeah, you know, it, I've, been, you know I've been hard on their offseason, but, you know, it's still a talented core. It's still a good pitching staff. The bullpen. You know, I don't really trust, but things could break right in the bullpen. Um, I think their floor is definitely better than an 82-win team, but it's a tough division. You know, the Brewers got better, the Cardinals got better, the Reds got way better. Um, the Pirates are still kind of fiddling, but they're not a bad team. So I could see, you know, anywhere from you know, 85 to 95 wins. Um, it wouldn't surprise me at all if they win the division again. It wouldn't surprise me at all if they win the NLCS again, but it's just one of those things where you wish they would have safeguarded against some of the issues they could possibly come up. Yeah, there's no margin for error, I guess you would say. Is what, like, you know, you need Darvish yeah, to be healthy. Yeah, you need Bryant, yeah. It would be nice if Schwarber or Hap or someone really broke out. You're going to need something like that. There's no margin for error. Yeah, and you, and you definitely need help in the bullpen. You need Morrow to come back. You need Edwards to be the guy that can be. And then after that, you know, C-Sheck is good. Strope is good. But, you know, you need some of those other guys to to, stick, to stand out. And I think, you know, they've been counting up some of the prospects they have that can come up and help this year. Um, I'm interested to see what Dakota Meeks looks like against professional hitters. Um, he's one of those guys who's always had – he's got the size, he's got the – but he doesn't necessarily have the stuff. So he's going to be interesting to watch. Um I think, you know, Dylan Mays, if he ever finds his command, could be a useful piece. 
And the big one I feel like is, is Albert Alzole. Um, got a good fastball that in short stints could probably play up to upper 90s. And he's going to wipe out breaking ball. So I, th- I feel like if he comes up lately, he could actually be a really nice bullpen piece. I, you know, he, he got injured last year because I really thought he was going to be up in September, at least to make a couple appearances. And then he got injured. So, yeah, I would be – I would think he would come up sometime this year too. Yeah, I would imagine they'll start him as a starter. And he's one of, it's one of those things where it's a, like it's, it's a win-win where you can live in his innings late and you can get him to help the big league club late. So we'll see how that one ends up playing out. Hopefully the injury doesn't linger at all. Um, he got plenty of rest at the end of last year, so he's fully healthy. All right, well, now I will uh, kick to something that – if anyone follows you on Twitter, I'm sure they're very aware of, but um, you're a big booster of the University of Illinois. Uh, it's been kind of, well, let's say a rough time lately for the two major sports, but yeah. But um, there's little signs of hope, especially for the basketball team. Maybe not this year, but coming up. So I thought I'd ask you a little bit about the state of uh, Illinois uh, sports. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, basketball, they started to turn things around a little bit. The defensive intensity picked up. Um, you know, they've had, obviously, I have to move the big freshman who's, who's come on really strong in the Big Ten. Now, of course, he's played so well, but he's getting first-round buzz in the NBA draft. So he might not even be here next year. But, uh, you know, Tevian Jones, freshman wing, broke up against, uh, against Maryland and Madison Square Garden. They've got, you know, Trent Frazier, star from last year. He's still really good. And they've had, you know, Georgie Bashanishvili, their uh, their center, has been all big in freshman level. And he was, he was a recruit who was a really low three-star kid. Um, only had one other high major offer from Minnesota. And I think he was all, like the other schools he was looking at seriously were like Hofstra and like Siena or something like that. He's ended up being probably their third best player, so it's pretty crazy there. And they have a good recruiting class coming next year. They have uh, Kofi Coburn, the five-star man that they got out of uh, out of Oak Hill in Virginia, and he's uh, like six eleven, three hundred pounds. So he'll be a load inside. So it'll be interesting to see. All right, I'll ask you one more uh, question about um, the basketball scene then. So. You know, Illinois might not be good this year, but what's your lay of the land for the Big Ten going into the tournament this year? Yeah, I mean, there's probably four or five teams at the top. Uh, Michigan, Michigan State, Purdue's been on fire lately. Maryland is still really good. Wisconsin looks good, too. So it's going to be a really interesting end of the Big Ten season and a really interesting Big Ten tournament, too, because there's... You know, there's those five teams at the top that could win the conference, but then, you know, the middle of the conference is still really good. I think it's one of those where any team could beat any team on any night. Um, the middle of the pack, Iowa is playing really good basketball. Um, Indiana's struggling, but they still have a ton of fun. So it's just going to be really, like, fun last couple weeks of the season. Yeah, well, like, it will be fun to watch, and I'll, I'll pull for your Illini uh, to do something in the conference tournament. Maybe they'll go on a miracle run. Yeah, we'll see if they can go on a run. Yeah, well, um, thank you for coming on my podcast. 
having me, Sean. Yep, it was a lot of fun. Thanks. As always, you can follow me on Twitter at STH85. Um, you can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. Just look up Holy Cow with Cubs Podcast. And if you do, or if you are a subscriber, uh, feel free to rate and review my podcast. So I know you're listening and anything I need to do better. Um, we should have a lot more episodes coming up now that uh, spring training is beginning. Uh, pitchers and catchers report in just a few days. So we'll have more uh, podcasts as the season goes along. And as always, thank you for listening. <laughs>